is to be able to bring our community in the wild closer. Um, and so we're looking for ways um, with this OWL program being one of them to bring a lot of our community members into the wilds um, in as many different ways as possible. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. Welcome again to Learning Unboxed. This is your host, Annalise Corbin, and I am very excited as always for our program today because joining me is uh, somebody who um, actually has my dream job. And so I'm very, very excited for us to have the opportunity to talk about an amazing place that we have um, in Ohio called The Wilds. And joining me today is Emily Knapp, who is the Conservation Education Coordinator at The Wilds. And we'll get her to explain what the wilds is and all the amazing things that they do. But, um, you know, very high level. Emily has the privilege of getting to have at her disposal a 10,000 acre classroom and gets to do some of the most amazing programs. I have had the privilege to stand back from afar and watch over the years. So I'm really excited to talk with Emily about the things that she does. So Emily, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this opportunity and to meet with everybody. This is this is a wonderful experience. Oh, good. I'm glad that you're you're excited about it. So we'll, we'll check in on that at the end. Um, let's let's get started first. Very very high level because we have people who listen to Learning Unboxed um, from all over the world. So for those who have no idea, tell us what the Wilds is. What's its mission and vision? And then we'll get into the weeds of what you actually do there. Okay, perfect. So. Uh, I'm very biased, uh, but the wilds is one of my favorite places on the planet. So out in Little Cumberland, Ohio, very, very, very small town, um, there is a 10,000 acre conservation facility. And so the wilds um, originally was all area that was surface mined. Um, and so around the 1970s, there was the spark of an idea that it would be a great place to have a conservation facility for exotic species. And so moving all the way through that timeline to today, we're very, very lucky out there to have uh, all sorts of exotic species such as southern white rhinos, giraffes, we've got ostriches, zebras, a ton of really cool exotic species, but we also do a lot of work with native species as well. So we have our uh, eastern hellbender, our American bearing beetles, and a lot of the other native species populations um, that would call Ohio home too. On that facility as well, there's a team of, of really inspiring, um, really incredible people. I consider myself so lucky to work alongside um, a lot of really great departments like our animal management team, wildlife ecology, restoration ecology, um, because education out there makes up just a small portion of that. So it's a really great place with a lot of fun things happening. Uh, and I highly recommend everyone people to go out there if they can. 
Yeah, it is an absolutely joyous place to be. I love it. And um, a little bit of some additional context for our listeners. So um, as Emily said, this was this is reclaimed land. And I think that's the other thing that we're really proud of um, regionally um, as it relates to the wild um, is that this was this was a reclaimed from the energy industry, right? Um, AEP, as I recall, mm-hmm. right? AEP Foundation, ultimately, and AEP Ohio gifted this. Uh, to make this possible, uh, this amazing conservation facility. And it is affiliated, operated under, within the realm of the Columbus Zoo, correct? So just to make sure folks understand how there is a connection between the Columbus Zoo and the wilds. Could you explain that just a little bit as well? Absolutely. Um, So the wilds and the zoo's mission is to lead and inspire by connecting people and wildlife. As partners with the Columbus Zoo, both organizations work really, really hard to do that each and every day. Um, And so we're really lucky to work with not only just like the wilds team, as I was describing it, but oftentimes we either travel to the zoo or having constant meetings with the zoo. Um, and just the staff over there is is just vital to making sure that the wilds run smoothly. And then we're lucky enough to be able to help the Columbus Zoo as well, which is great. Right. And you actually end up helping zoos and conservation facilities all over the world because at the wilds you're you're conserving right and so therefore you've got amazing breeding programs and share out and finding places for animals to go and really just trying to maintain these species for our planet yes Yes. So uh, we at the Wilds have worked really hard along with a lot of the other zoos and facilities, animal facilities across the globe um, to receive our accreditation from the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Uh, With that, we work really hard to establish breeding programs. Our Southern Right Rhino breeding program is is really excellent, but also Mm -hmm. to work, just as you said, with other zoos to work on where the best place for either our animals are, how we can help other facilities. So while we talk about the partnership with the Columbus Zoo, we also had this lucky opportunity to be partnered with a lot of other zoos, um, or like I said, animal facilities, conservation facilities across the globe. So just a really great network. Um, it provides to us for sure. Yeah, and it's it's really um, a, an amazing place, like I said. And with that comes this opportunity to do some really incredible education. Um, and that's really sort of what this program is all about. So we'll just dig right in. And, you know, there is a residential summer camp called Wild Camp. There's a teen volunteer program called OWLS. There's adult volunteer programs. There's a wild homeschool program, uh, which right now is very timely, I could imagine, um, as long as assisting with school visits and activities and, you know, kids discovery opportunities. And so we'll kind of get into the weeds of lots of those uh, things. But I want to talk really sort of high level at first about sort of the specific skills and experiences that you are hoping that kids gain, no matter which one of your programs they're participating in. There's a set of outcomes that you've sort of sort of pre pre thought about, I guess. And you know, as schools and communities um, and other facilities are talking about how can we best make use of those sets of outcomes that the wilds have in mind from education. So talk to us a little bit about the rationale behind the way you do your education programming in general? Absolutely. So a few years ago, um, with our partnership with the Columbus Zoo, the education departments at the Wilds, uh, as well as the zoo, came together um, and really worked on and decided what we were trying to accomplish. What are we trying to accomplish with all of our programs? And so we created six behavioral outcomes, um, ranging from one of which being uh, fostering a lifelong connection with Mm -hmm. 
um, to critical thinking, to um, building support for conservation facilities such as the Wilds and the Columbus Zoo. And so with armored with those six uh, different behavioral outcomes, it creates a blueprint for every single one of our programs, a backbone, um, the real purpose and, and idea behind all of those. So Programs such as Wildecamp, our residential summer camp, um, we're trying to uh, bring kids out to the wilds to adventure with us for a week. Right? Really important um, science skills um, out while out in nature, um, but also to create a community too. So to create these young conservationists who inspired um, to be able to go off once they return home, um, to be able to take those same behavior outcomes um, and make a difference in their corner of the planet too. I'll confidently say that that is a big piece of every single one of our programs. Program individually has its own idea and way to achieve that individual outcome. And what age group of kiddos get to come? And because the fact that it's residential, kids could come from anywhere, right? And you're Absolutely. encouraging that. And not all not all places have the ability to offer a residential camp experience. That that's disappearing more and more all over the world, right? So it's awesome that you have it. So just for folks who are curious and would love to, you know, send their kids to the camp, um, what age group are we looking at for that? Excellent. Oh my goodness, I could talk all day long about Wilde Camp. Um, <laughs> It's one of my favorite uh, favorite times of the year, but it is a residential summer camp um, for ages 8 to 18. So each week of summer, there's a different age group that will come out to visit. So we have uh, everything from a two-day camp for our eight and nine-year-olds, kids who mm-hmm. uh, never have been away from home before, and it kind of gets their feet wet into a camp experience where they get to meet a lot of other kids who are interested in the same things that they are. We have our 10 to 11-year-old camp. We've got our 12 to 15-year-old camp uh, and then 15 to 18-year-old camp as well. Each of those different weeks while having different age groups Mm -hmm. too. So we have an adventure camp. We have our Dirty Wild Jobs camp, which is to 18 year olds who are interested in either coming out to learn about animal management or being a zookeeper um, or going down a veterinary track. So veterinary medicine of some kind. And since they're staying with us from Sunday to Saturday, while it's just a week, it oftentimes feels like this entire really, really great adventure and experience. Um, We see a big transformation from our kids, regardless of the age group, coming in on Sunday. And then once they leave on Saturday, a lot of cell phones out at camp. Well, number one, because the wilds is is a has no cell service, right? Right. <laughs> to kind of like further that appreciation for nature, to unplug during that week. Absolutely. The easiest way to talk about a transformation is the kids who are uh, not ready to give away the cell phone to their parents on Sunday, right? On Saturday, their parents are like, "Here, use your phone," and the kids are like, "No, no, 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 no. I would rather tell you about my experience this week." So there's a lot of lessons that come from just the knowledge base that comes from all the camps. There's a lot of nature appreciation that occurs during that mm-hmm. time. Also just making friends, join a, a camp where you're kind of out um, in the middle of a lot of cool things going on, which is really great too. Hopefully with a lot of people you've never met before and you get to work on your social skills, right? Back to getting kids to unplug, right? Uh, what does it look like and feel like uh, to meet new people and re- for for real, not just online and in a video game or whatever kids are, are naturally doing. So that's a great thing for them, yeah. 
Right. And we often say um, that camp is for everyone. Camp is for everyone. And so um, a lot of times, just as you said earlier, kids are coming from all corners of the country um, to come out to this camp. And we are able to offer an opportunity not only for them to make friends, but to meet people who might be interested in the same things they are. is uh, think back to one of our campers who was super interested in insects and thought that they were alone in the world for being excited about bugs, uh, came out to camp and found a few friends who were just as excited as they were. And so it was a cool opportunity to bring people, bring kids together um, to get them excited about the same things, which is really great too. Yeah, that's always awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your teen volunteer program, The Owls, because that's one that I think is pretty, that one's pretty intriguing to me. So share with us a little bit about how that program works and how do you how do you maintain teens as a volunteer base? Because lots of organizations, even schools really, really struggle with this. We have this um, growing component around um, a, some type of social enterprise or give back component tied to formalized education anymore. And so all kinds of places are really struggling with how to do this well. So what does that look like at the wilds? Absolutely. Um, so the teen volunteer program or the OWL program, and the OWL, OWL is an acronym for Outstanding Wilds Learning. That program was created five years ago now, just the spark of the idea for it. Um, because we, alongside a lot of the other facilities that you just mentioned, schools included, saw this need right, for more environmental education, um, more opportunities for kids to be able to come together um, just for the social skills. Um, but then also the importance of volunteering, um, especially in something that you're passionate about. Um, and so this program was created um, with the idea to bring local kids out that are surrounding the wilds. So we're a very rural area out of the wilds, um, but there are a lot of schools that neighbor us. Um, and so the OWL program as it exists now, there are two different tracks in the program. Mm-hmm you can either be a part of the interpretive education track where you're out with guests throughout the summer. Maybe you have an ostrich feather in your hand or a chainsaw and you're expressing to other guests why these biofacts or these items are so exciting and then kind of bringing a bigger picture of why the wilds exist, telling our story about our mission um, and really um, helping with that guest experience piece. But then at the end of the day, we get to talk to the team volunteers about the impact that they were able and how they made this giant difference for everyone that they talked to that day. That that is very empowering, right? Um, The other track in the program is our research research track, I should say. And that is working directly with our restoration ecology and wildlife ecology teams to go out onto property and to this 10,000 acres of property to be able to do field work, conservation-related field work, such as looking for salamanders, some snake surveys, doing tree identification, forest inventory, soil samples. I mean, the possibilities are endless out there because there's so much going on. And especially for uh, our kids in our local areas, a lot of times they might not be able to dabble in those sorts of opportunities. They might be able to go out um, and look for salamanders in their area with the staff who are going to be able to help them identify those. Um, So just giving as many opportunities as we can to the kids who are closest to us. 
one of my um, biggest areas of passion is to be able to bring our community in the wild closer. Um, and so we're looking for ways constantly um, with this OWL program being one of them to bring a lot of our community members into the wilds um, in as many different ways as possible. Um, and that directly relates to us going out in January to our local high schools to recruit our owls for who will come out in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, really exciting opportunity. Really exciting. Yeah. And you know, the the other thing too, because I've actually um, on numerous occasions actually experienced those high school kiddos um, who are doing some of the uh, interpretation piece of it. And, um, you know, a couple of things, you know, as we know, kids have to practice learning how to talk to the public, right? And some schools do a great job with this, but not all schools do. And so these community opportunities to practice talking to others, to learning how to share a story, to learning how to take others' questions, internalize them, you know, figure out, do I know the answer? Do I not know the answer? And then how do I answer back in a professional way? And there've been a few of the kids at the wilds that I've encountered um, that I saw them say early on, like at the beginning of the summer, right? Versus the end of the summer. And the difference between the confidence of these kids and their their comfort in A, I belong here. B, I'm an expert in something. It may only be that ostrich feather, right? And maybe not too much more than that. But the reality is I've got this. Right. That's incredibly empowering, right? They do. They become, um, like you said, confident and also very proud of the work. Yeah, that they're proud. <laughs> and they, they go home and then they express that interest and that enthusiasm for whatever it may be, ostrich salamander, whatever it is, um, back at home. And um, we get that really lucky opportunity out there to, to serve as their, their coaches, their mentors, mm-hmm. help them to feel comfortable doing that. But then we, in turn, just as you expressed, get to watch that transformation and just have that really incredible um, hand in their journey for that too. This program has been active for so long that we've been able to see some kids go through the program for a few years. So a few summers they've come out and now off to college and writing um, letters towards these colleges of their t- and talking about the time that mm-hmm. they spent and what it did for them. And I can't express just like, how grateful I feel to be able to work with these really inspiring kids, but also how proud I am of all the hard work that they put in and how much that they inspire everyone that they cross paths with in their journey towards having a career in conservation or towards an education or fieldwork or whatever it may be. They're just really, really incredible kids. Yeah, they are. And that, those experiences are, um, are very, very meaningful. And even for the kids that don't go into conservation or into, quite frankly, any related field, that experience gave them the confidence to know they could do a whole variety of things, including things that aren't necessarily in their comfort zone. You you literally took them outside of that. You scaffolded them to be able to do that. And I hope that when, when others hear you talk about this program, because I do push on this often in my work all around the country and around the world, um, you know, as schools or communities are looking to find better ways to engage their students in education in the here and the now, rather than the things that we thought we were supposed to be teaching them. Um, the skills that you're talking about by being these public ambassadors, whether it's at the wild or it's in your community or it's at your local co- your courthouse doing tours, right? It doesn't make any difference. The reality is that those experiences are what we're looking to to not only have kids grow to do, but employers want 
people that are confident to be able to tell their story, to explain their work, to be able to participate. So uh, that's awesome. I want to get into a little bit about the homeschool program because I'm really curious. Um, you know, so this this program will release probably in a couple of weeks. So we'll still be in the United States, right in the middle of this this pandemic experience. We're all working from home. You and I are both not uh, sitting in our regular sort of day job sorts of things. So everybody's out there, um, you know, basically scouring the globe for great content. And I love organizations that deliberately have a history of doing work in that homeschool space because you're very, very good at saying, look, we can teach anybody anywhere, almost anything tied to our mission and vision. So let's talk a little bit for folks about your homeschool program and what, if any, adaptation that you're utilizing with that for people who find themselves suddenly, you know, I, you know, I worked over here in this corporate office, but today I'm homeschooling, whether I, whether I want to, and my school is doing a great job of helping me out with that or not. The reality is there's a whole bunch of us now who are homeschool parents. Right. Which first and foremost, um, I give so much credit and I offer so many, so much enthusiasm towards the parents who are finding themselves in that situation. Um, Cause I'm sure that it can be, it can be daunting at first. Mm-hmm educator, being able to give your kids or your students um, the best step towards success that you can is the most important piece of all of that. Um, So with our homeschool program right now, um, we've developed it over the past few years. And right now it is a visit um, that's built towards homeschool communities coming out to the wilds. So in light of everything that's going on, we're working on other programs that we might be able to release sort of as other facilities have, whether it's on Facebook um, or in some sort of other um, on our website, whatever it may be. For right now, um, we are, the Wilds has worked really hard with our community relations team to release as many videos of Mm -hmm. our animal management staff working towards you know, working with our animals, showing what's going on at the wilds, even though no one's able to come out to us right now, um, you know, giving as much positivity as we can. Um, those homeschool programs that we offer, we offer at eight programs. We will be offering eight programs mm-hmm. this year. And with different themes, different topics, we will have evening programs that'll last from five to eight o'clock. Uh, my favorite one that I'm excited about is our Friends of Frogs program. <laughs> uh, have community members do a frog walk. Um, and be able to identify different frog calls. Um, it's again, a big comedian mm-hmm. building piece. Um, and it's something that we, it's different than what we've done in the past. So we're still developing it, still working on it. Um, but again, for, for all of our parents who are suddenly finding themselves as educators, getting kids excited, your kids excited about whatever you're excited about, um, or taking them outside during this, mm-hmm. just out in the backyard. I mean, there is there are endless opportunities to be able to bring that positivity and that excitement and that happiness just by looking at something really simple in your yard, something that you may have looked at a dozen times, whether it's watching for birds, maybe it's building a bird feeder, uh, maybe it's building a bird house. And then mm-hmm. as the, you know, all of those species that you'd be impacting are coming to visit or coming to um, interact. So I can't, I, I cannot convey my enthusiasm enough um, and, and my hope that you're able to enjoy this time um, and, and your kids spending time with you is going to be um, the story and the memory that they have during something, something that's tough that's happening right now too. Yeah, that's, I think everybody's hope, right? That on the mm-hmm. backside of this, we're like, you know, we actually got this moment. 
You know, it's scary up front and, you know, um, we're, we're hopeful that it doesn't have horrific impacts for lots of families. Um, but the, the flip side of it is um, a lot of opportunity to spend time we didn't think that we were going to have um, right. with our kiddos. Um, and there's, there's so many creative things that you can do. So um, we do appreciate uh, collectively, you know, anything that the Wilds is able to sort of put out there and put on um, and make that available. Um, so what do you think... When you think about how an experience like coming to the wilds or how the wilds is working generally within education about the opportunities that are there, how how do you help schools translate that back into their day-to-day practice? Because whether you, you're providing content directly into schools or not, the reality of it is people, teachers, they're being impacted by the work that you're doing as well. And so how do you think about that? And how do you, how do you scale that, I guess? Maybe that's the better question. So I think that some of our programs impact um, structured classrooms mm-hmm. and schools bit more than others. So our outreach program is what comes to mind initially too. So we had a really lucky opportunity um, to build an outreach program a few years ago. I think it's this is our second year that we've been able to launch in our local schools. We go into fifth grade classrooms um, from four local schools um, and we bring uh, lessons on the scientific method. And so the outreach program is six visits. Um, one of those visits being a field trip out to the wilds mm-hmm. um, to do some field work and hands-on learning out there. Um, but those other five lessons are our education staff going traveling to those schools and teaching those kids and working with those kids directly. Um, and so learning about the scientific method is often um, a very, very big chunk of, especially when we're talking about science and state standards. Mm-hmm. So um, us being able to come in and help teachers to work through that and take that off their plate and to be able to bring a wild flavor to it, if you will, has been really, really beneficial. We've heard a really a lot of really great feedback from the local schools who we've been working with. Um, and then we also get to have the wilds present in classrooms too. We're able to achieve a lot through that. I have, we've recently also launched um, evaluation tools that help us when we're looking at our programs to really see what the community effect is, to really see how um, we're able, those positive effects of working with classrooms. Um, And in our OWL programs, the team volunteer program I was talking about, as well as outreach, Mm -hmm. and even the residential summer camp, we've heard from parents that it's really helped a kid's journey through science that following year or through school that following mm-hmm. year. So whether it's the social skills that those kids have, the confidence that they have while they're working through our programs, the knowledge base that they've gained through those programs, they've been able to walk away having been impacted um, by some of the things that they drew from the wilds. So a lot of our programs are able to help schools. Um, we're always constantly looking for more ways to be able to do that. Um, and I would invite everyone um, to look at the Wilds Facebook page, or not the Facebook page, but also the website. Mm-hmm. You're email me too with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Because like I said, we're always looking for ways to help the community more, always looking for ways to reach out um, to be able to help with that, whether it's classroom visits, presentations, or a program that we already offer that we can tell you more about. 
Yeah, always very important. And so you also touched on something that I was going to ask you about next. So very timely in the sense of, you know, is there other folks that are out there that are listening to this who may or may not ever make it to the wilds, right? Who are contemplating? I love, I love the concepts that you're working through as an organization and the programming you're able to offer. What advice do you have to either other organizations or communities that are trying to think about how could I take my natural resources, whatever that happens to be, and turn that into some type of community-based educational program? Um, What kind of recommendations or or, or maybe, you know, the three things you should know before you start uh, contemplating something like that? What would you recommend to folks? I think that that's a great opportunity. Um, So the first thing that I would probably touch on is communication. And so while it's a very broad word, it means, and it means a lot of things, I think communicating um, to others around you first. So if it's a staff, if it's other members in your community, um, whoever it may be that might be considered part of your team, what do we want to accomplish, right? Um, What are we trying to put forth towards our mission, our purpose, and then communicating to a community, your audience, whoever that is, mm-hmm. what do they want? What, what, what does that audience, what is that audience really interested in? Because if you're working really hard to create this idea, but having no idea what your community or audience may want to listen to or experience, you might miss your mark, right? Mm-hmm. And hard work might, might be for naught. So um, communication would be definitely my first, my first um, piece. I would also, uh, as an educator, say the flexibility or the ability to adapt as well. Because a lot of times when you're working with um, kids or you're working with a group of people, you have no idea what their questions they might ask or what they might bring to the table that day. Um, but it's a beautiful opportunity. Um, you may think that at the beginning of the, you know, the day or the program that you're going to have this very set itinerary. We're going to do A, B, and C, and D, and E today. <laughs> you, uh, throw out A, B, and C, and you're at E, and here we are, and now we're learning, and we're having fun, and it's the best. So that flexibility um, and the positive moments, uh, to see the positivity in those moments, I think is important. Last, I guess, the third piece is just enthusiasm and passion mm-hmm. you're working towards. Not every day is going to be an easy day. Um, and I think we all can understand and connect with that, with, with everything going on right now. But if we see the positivity in these moments, if we see our enthusiasm shine through and be able to reach our end goal, to achieve that mission, to set that ex- ex- uh, the successful program, that's, that's what all this is for. That's that's what we're geared for. That's what we're working towards. And and to be able to accomplish that is just the greatest feeling in the world. So I could, I could probably create a list of all these incredible things um, that I would suggest, but I think that, yeah, uh, to communicate um, the flexibility and ability to adapt and then just enthusiasm for whatever you're working towards. That's how we've created a lot of our programs. Um, and, and, and those three things alone will let you sustain um, programming. I've had a number of different um, schools over the years who are really trying to sort of change the way they approach science, especially in elementary and middle school, and even, even in the high school levels. And, you know, some of the things that we've actively talked about was, you know, 
you have this amazing opportunity. If nothing else, you, you have this plot of land that your school sits on. And it may or may not be a very exciting plot of land, but it's yours to, you are the steward of that no matter what, right? You have a tremendous learning opportunities tied to that. Um, and if you have a local park within walking distance or other resources in your community, there are a million different ways, right, that you could take the work that you're doing at the wilds around having an appreciation of outdoors and nature and really understanding the fact that you have something to preserve, that's teachable in every community. Absolutely. I, I can't agree with you enough on that. I think sometimes when we're talking about outdoor education or environmental education, it becomes a very daunting idea mm -hmm. because so much that you could do, but that's also the beauty of it too, is going outside and, and taking your kids out there and getting kids excited about grass. Mm -hmm. Something that every day or a flower or a squirrel that they see in a tree. I mean, I think the the hardest step is perhaps the first step in taking that to go outside um, or to start to learn more about whatever topic you are interested in. Um, but once you take that first step, it, it starts to get a little bit easier after that. And your kids, you'll find your kids are excited about whatever you're excited about, which is yeah. awesome. And that's always the case. And I appreciate it so much. I love that you said that because I cannot tell you how often at past we tell teachers, administrators, you know, city people, you name it. If you love the thing you're teaching, your kids will love it too. It, yes. they, they, they pull their enthusiasm from you. That's the first place they look to, to should I love this thing or should I hate this thing? Truthfully. So thank you for that. And um, thank you so much, Emily, for, for joining us and for the work that you do at The Wild. Uh, we will um, post the resources along with the episode when we let it go. And so I truly hope that folks, that you reach out to Emily um, and that you enjoy um, the things that they have to share. Uh, the Wilds has a television program that, that I actually, my family, we all sit down and we watch it when it comes <laughs> on because it's so quirky and we, we love, and the fact that it's real, right? It's about about the day-to-day -day stuff. We know all of you at the Wilds that end up on the program and you learn something every single time. So, you know, embrace these types of local resources. And uh, certainly if you get a chance, um, visit the Wilds online and in person if you're able to. So thank you, Emily, very much. Thank you so much for this opportunity and for everyone listening. I, I can't I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. This is so inspiring to hear um, about everyone else's experience too. So please, like I said, reach out to me if you have any questions or just want to share your story about what you're doing during this time as well. I'm happy to help however I can. And, and I know that the Wilds education team as well as the Columbus Zoo and, er, and Aquarium's education team is going to be happy to help however we can as well. So thank you again though for this. This was wonderful. I really, really, I'm so happy that I had a hand. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education. <laughs>